Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, I'm Tom Butler. I'm Brendan Duffy. And I'm Tom Wheatley. And And you're you're listening listening to the James Bond A to Z podcast. Join us as three lifelong 007 fans go on a journey of discovery. We're on a mission to discover everything we can about cinema's greatest spy films. By learning about the people who made them in front of the camera and behind. The James Bond A to Z podcast is in no way affiliated with James Bond, Eon or the Fleming Estate. We've researched each episode as extensively as we can, but our information does come from a range of sources. We do our best to make sure the information is accurate, but sometimes we can get it wrong. If you want to correct us on something or add some more detail, email us at podcast at jamesbondatoz.co.uk. Welcome back to the James Bond A to Z podcast. This is the second part of our Daniel Craig special. It's... um last episode we explored his life and career up to making uh casino royale um and then his uh sort of film career after that did we end on um the one with the polar bears what was that his dark materials golden compass golden compass yeah 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 one with the polar bears what a what a cliffhanger to end on (laughs) (laughs) what happens next what happens next well on this episode we will be covering his career after that right up to and including no time to die um as always with the uh, actor specials uh, it's worth noting that the films themselves get special episodes so it, where we skirted over casino royale last time it's because there's a casino royale episode and you can listen to that similarly on this one we'll be talking about quantum of solace Skyfall, Spectre and No Time to Die and and in due course they will have their own episodes so again if it feels like we're skirting over these films that is what is going on um, you guys excited? pumped? massively yeah big time <laughs> so on with the show and we will talk about uh, Mr Daniel Craig the 6th James Bond film actor So in 2008, uh, Daniel Craig made and starred in Quantum of Solace. Uh, what, are, what are your guys' thoughts on Quantum of Solace? Uh, pretty terrible, really. Yeah, it's... Yeah. I, I think I've told you this before, it was the only Bond film I've ever walked out of in the <laughs> cinema. Wow. What was it that prompted you to walk out? Well, I was getting a flight from Amsterdam... And I looked at my watch and I thought, I've got the choice of watching the last 40 minutes of Quantum of Solace or getting a McDonald's. And um, I opted for the McDonald's at that point. But you've seen it, you've seen it since. <laughs> yeah, only a couple of times. Yeah, it's... Um, uh, yeah, it's not... I mean, it wasn't... It got decent reviews when it was released. Um, it wasn't... I think in the fullness of time, it has dimmed in the sort of the the memories of of many bond fans it's um it's mm-hmm. a bit of a messy film um and we'll go into reasons of that but let's just take it back a step 
Um, so the Quantum of Solace was conceived as being a continuation of Casino Royale. That film obviously itself was a huge hit. Um, and it was originally Quantum of Solace was going to be directed by Roger Mitchell, who had directed Daniel in The Mother and Enduring Love. But Roger Mitchell actually pulled out of the film uh, talking about what his plan for Quantum of Solace was. He said it was going to be a multi-city quest that went from Italy to Bombay to Berlin to Istanbul. Uh, and he had a bad guy in the film, which he had figured uh, a bad guy that had figured out a way to bring the Internet down. And then that would send the world into meltdown. And actually, Roger Mitchell met with Martin Campbell on the set of Casino Royale while they were making that film to discuss the sequel. So it was all already like, you know, they were already thinking two steps ahead. But Roger Mitchell pulled out. He said, we just started running out of road. I started to realise that we were going to have to start to go into prep on this film without a script and I suddenly started to see a world of pain ahead of me as a director um, yeah so he just basically couldn't find a way to make it work without having a script in place so actually when he pulled out they delayed the film from May to November um, and before shooting um, Daniel Craig said um, we have to make the next one I think better than the last one to keep people ha happy um, and he at that point he said that the, the script had not been finished so when the film was announced to press in 2006 they obviously announced the title do you remember this when they announced the title of the film yeah Adam and Joe did a big thing about it didn't they yeah mm. that was very funny yeah worth checking that out if you can find the archives of Adam and Joe talking about that um um it uh, obviously it's uh, taken from a Fleming short story um, but talking about the title at, at the press conference Daniel Craig said it has grown on me it doesn't trip off the tongue but then why should it um, so the film itself was shot at Pinewood and on location in Italy Austria Chile and Peru but unfortunately the film was completely hamstrung by the writer's strike that was going on in America so um Paul Haggis, who had been drafted in to work on the script after it had been written by um, uh, Purvis and Wade, uh, Paul Haggis said it was a few drafts away from being shootable. Um, this, the initial script had just about been completed. And so Mark Forster, when he was going to shoot this film, was unable to bring any more writers on board to finish the script. So... Um, basically, they started the film without a finished script. Um, and then there was just chaos behind the scenes and that just sort of filters through into the film and the two people that ended up write, writing the script on the set or at least trying to fix the script issues that were there were Mark Forster and Daniel Craig and this is a quote from Daniel Craig we were effed we had the bare bones of a script me and the director were the ones allowed to rewrite it the rules were that you couldn't employ we, you couldn't employ anyone as a writer but the actor and director could work on scenes together i say to myself never again but who knows there was me trying to rewrite scenes and a writer i am not so this is the first one where you know daniel craig's contributing to the to the script so they're really tight deadline to make this film as well. It started without a script um and they had only had 6 weeks to edit the film afterwards rather than the usual sort of 12 to 14 weeks. But Daniel, you know, he worked really hard on the film. He he, he, he was up at five, then in makeup, then on set, shoot, shoot for 12 hours, and then he'd finish, go to the gym, do stunt practice, have dinner. And he would do that six days a week for six months. Um, and sometimes he said he'd go out on a Saturday night, get shit-faced and sleep it off on the Sunday. Um, so, yeah, not much else to say about this rather before we you know get to the quantum of solace episode but um he did have a cut cut to his face during shooting and this is quite a recurring thing for daniel getting injured on the sets of these films 
but he cut, cut his face and he also had an injury on his hand and there are press photos of him attending events and he's got his arm in a sling um but talking about the film, um, he said, I was at a stage in my career in which things were going pretty well. I was making plenty of money, relatively speaking, enough to live on. But when this opportunity came along, I knew it would turn everything upside down. It wasn't about the money. It was about changing things up and seeing what would happen. But the flip side of that for him was that he couldn't go out and be rec- uh, he couldn't go out without being recognised. And that is something that he considered, you know, to be a, a royal pain in the arse for him. So um, I think he was really starting to feel the regrets that he'd predicted he might get before he signed up. Uh, One interesting thing to note, though, is that this was the first time Daniel got to do uh, the gun barrel sequence because the previous film didn't have one. Mm. Um, And he said uh, he said he was that was the first time when while playing James Bond, he actually felt scared. He said we did that one twice, did that one twice. We filmed it twice. I did it over and over again. I watched on the monitor and I think we got it right. There were ideas to mess around and make it more graphic and things. And I was just like, no, no, it just has to be what, like with the old ones. So, yeah, so that's Quantum of Solace. And like I said, that film was released to reasonable reviews. It didn't do as well at the box office as the previous ones. And I think that's indicative of it's not a film that really bared repeat viewings at the cinema as a film like Casino Royale had. Um, so, yeah, that's Quantum of Solace, the film. And released on the same day was Quantum of Solace, the game. Uh, so it was a first-person shooter, and it's the 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 last one to have been released, the, the last movie tie-in to have been released, um, because they haven't done done one for the the subsequent films. And so this was released on all the formats that you would imagine, PlayStation two even so the previous generation playstation 3 xbox wii and the pc um with a completely new title track as well so it didn't have um what's the title of the another way to die another another way to die yeah uh it had a song called when nobody loves you um and it used the opening you know the car chase at the beginning of the actual film it used that as the um the pre-credits, uh, the credits sequence. Um, it featured the storyline of both Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. And it was made by Activision. So they'd acquired the franchise. So before that, I think we've talked about some of the games prior to this. It was made by EA. Um, but Activision had just got this new license. And so this was the first one they released. And it uses the engine of Call of Duty 4. Um, it's basically a Call of Duty 4 game reskinned with all the the Bond music and the characters and it's the first one to feature Daniel Craig's likeness also features Judi Dench Eva Green, Mads Mikkelsen um, Olga Kurilenko and uh, Matthew Amaric so they all play their roles that they did in the films in the game as well with a full uh, facial capture and the producer on the team at Treyarch that's the name of the company that produced it said we also took photographs and 3D scans of the major actors and recorded hours of their voice for the game it was great to meet these guys and they're all very supportive of our vision and goals with the game so they did actually originally struggle getting Daniel Craig to sign up. So they'd signed everyone else up but Daniel Craig. So voice actor 
David Houston was cast in the role of James Bond. As you can see, this is you know, be quite problematic. The main character is the only one not officially licensed. So Treyarch had a meeting with Daniel Craig and the co-design director, Adam Gascoigne, said Daniel Craig was actually the most reluctant. He's a big gamer himself and didn't want a poorly made licensed game. So he sat him down and let him play an early build. He loved it and he came back to him and said, OK, I'll do it. And then he was very important of making part of making the game what it is. We tried to get him to give us feedback as much as possible. Uh, he's obviously a very busy man. We'd sk- send script drafts for him to check over. So he was involved with that aspect too. So that's quite interesting that you've got the the main the main guy, you know, fully involved, and I think it helps that he's a gamer himself, um, and he doesn't want to. Yeah, there, I mean, there's. Licensed games, film tie-ins, very largely are disappointing. Um, probably something that holds the Bond into Bond video games back is how successful and how well GoldenEye did. Yeah, it's something that people still mention now, don't they? With every release of a new Bond video game, and I'm sure moving forward with the new one that's being released, that yeah, people. But, will but oddly, GoldenEye, GoldenEye was a fluke. It was never meant to be good. Everyone expected mm. it to be kind of just a cheap tie-in, but that was the one mm. that stuck. Yeah. I think that's why they probably don't hook them on the films anymore. It's it's almost like a kiss of death, isn't it, when they hook them onto the, direct yeah. onto the game. And I've got high hopes, high hopes for this new one. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's jump back into Craig's filmography. Um, probably should point out here that I have not watched many of these films. So, um, okay. If you if you know more than me, or you've seen any of these films, please shout. Although I'm guessing you probably haven't seen a lot of these. Uh, so, first one I've got here is Flashbacks of a Fool, 2008 film. Anyone seen that? No. So it's a British drama film. It stars Craig as he's like a big time Hollywood actor, um, and he's he's a bit of a he's, he's he's not very nice man. He's a bit up himself. He's just, he's rich. He's um, trying to, you know, he's not. He's people don't really like him very much. But he finds out that his childhood best friend has died, so it turns into a story of him going back home to. Um, he, he misses the funeral, but he goes back home, and it's him reminiscing over his life and reflecting over what he's become and all these things. Looks quite good. Looks quite um, uh, quite a deep film. I'd never actually heard of it before researching this. Um, didn't do very well. It got uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a 38% approval rating, um, uh, an average rating of 4.5. Um, and the site uh, consensus for it is, um, one of the reviews said, despite Craig's, uh, Daniel Craig's earnest efforts, flashbacks of a fool suffers from an ambitious for underdeveloped script. So there you go. That's flashbacks of a fool. Uh, then there's Defiance, also released in 2008, which is a, a war film um, directed by Edward Zwick. Um, it's all about the occupation of Belarus uh, in Nazi Germany. Uh, it's based on a book by a, a, a Nakama Tech. I've never heard of it. Um, and it's, it looks quite um, quite juicy. It's um, all about these kind of Jewish brothers who um, save a load of... Uh, well, Jewish people. Um, it recruited a load of uh, Jewish people in Belarus during the Second World War. 
and kind of end up fighting. It's basically a war film, but um, looks really good. Uh, it's got it Daniel Craig good. in it, I've, Lee Schreiber. I have seen that one. Sorry? I have seen that one. That's good. Is it good? Yeah. Uh, Daniel Craig, Lee Schreiber and Zeus Belsky. Oh, and Jamie Bell. Uh, it made mate. 52 million worldwide, so not too bad. Um, the, but it, it received a nomination for the Academy Award in the category of Best Original Score um, and Golden Globe for Best Original Score as well. Rotten Tomatoes have given it a 58% uh, critics rating. Uh, no, 58% of critics gave the film a positive review. Uh, Metacritic uh, average score of 58 out of 100. So pretty consistent numbers across the board there. Uh, then we've got Steady Rain, which is a play from 2007, which was Craig's Broadway debut. Um, and it's a play by uh, Keith Huff, who I don't know much about. Uh, and it's about two Chicago policemen who um, take they take a Vietnamese boy um, supposedly back to uh, his uncle, but it turns out that it, the person they take it back to is a serial killer. Um, and the kid ends up dying. I don't think that's a big spoiler because it happens at the start of the film. Um, and the whole film is about um, the pair of them... Uh, sorry, the film. The whole play is about the pair of them kind of discussing how that's affected them, who bears the responsibility and all this kind of stuff about the, the situation. Um, and it stars Hugh Jackman as well. So it's a big... So him and Hugh Jackman um, take the, the two main roles in it. Got a generally very good critical reception. Uh, the play alternates between uh, separate monologues uh, between the two actors. So it's quite a, a tour de force play. I think it's quite um, uh, a, a critical one when it comes down to Broadway style. Uh, Chicago Tribune called the play a gritty, rich, thick, poetic and entirely gripping noir tale. Um, Time magazine uh, said both stars were excellent, but they were wonderfully served by Huff's tout, uh, tough-minded script, which takes potentially cliched material, uh, cliched material, the moral challenges faced by cops on the urban mean streets and makes it fresh and compelling. So, sounds like a good job for Craig there. Some interesting pr- pronunciations there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I read that a bit too quick and didn't quite... Um, it's fine. That's fine. Any readers who want to <laughs> correct my mispronunciation, please go ahead. You get a sticker. <laughs> I think it's taught rather than tout. Oh, yes, I, I realised that. Yes. <laughs> what did I say? Tout. Tout. <laughs> And the Chicago Tribune, I thought that was quite a nice one as well. That'll do me, I'll take that one. That'll do. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, Broadway debut, um, uh, I mean, that really sort of gives you an indication of where Daniel Craig is at his, in his career now. Like, Bond has really launched him onto a new a new level like we were talking about last time um he was making uh golden compass he's like proper hollywood blockbusters now this is not the actor who was starring in all those random films that we were talking about before this is an a-list star mm. and nothing shouts more a-list star than starring in a david fincher film like david fincher is considered like one of hollywood's greatest working directors and so in 2011, Daniel Craig starred in David Fincher's English language adaptation of the Stieg Larsson book, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. He played the journalist Mikhail Blomqvist and Rooney Mara was Lisbeth Salander. You guys seen this one? Yeah. No. But one thing that I always think about with this film and with Daniel Craig is, is the, the opening, the title sequence. It's got that amazing Led Zeppelin cover by... Um, um, 
oh, what's his name? Nine Inch Nails guy. Um, oh, I can't remember what his name is. Uh, Trent Reznor, that's it. He's done that, and it's very Bond-esque. It's got like floating bodies and all that sort of stuff. It's um, it's it's the most Bondy thing that um, you can say about this film is that is the title sequence. But anyway, about signing on for the film, Daniel Craig said it or it was already a good story, but the combination of David as director and Steve's alien script made it incredibly exciting for me. I had confidence in the material and confidence in their visual ideas. Obviously, he's playing Swedish in this film because it's set in Sweden. Um, but instead of doing a Swedish accent, he just did a very sort of plain English accent. He said, he went. For, I went for something plain. David and I talked about it and we both didn't want an accent to get in the way of the character. Really, many Swedes speak incredibly good English, both with and without accents. And I felt that that was the way to go. And another thing that he did for the film was he got out of shape. He was obviously in shape to play Bond. He got out of shape to play Michael Blomqvist. He said, I was so fit when I started filming that David Finch used to send me bowls of pasta and bottles of wine. He said, you don't look like a journalist. You're moving like an action hero. So it's taken me six months to stick a stomach on and six months to get rid of it. Nightmare. Um, That title sequence, um, like I said, very Bond-like, actually done by Deadpool director Tim Miller. Mm -hmm. So uh, he was a visual effects artist before becoming a film director. Um, that film got very good reviews and grossed $232 million, uh, at the box office globally. $232 million, yeah. And Roger Ebert said, In this film, Daniel Craig brings along the confidence of James Bond. How could he not? He looks too comfortable in danger. There is one thing that Daniel Craig does in this film, which is uh, always makes me, um, makes me laugh when I think about it. There's this really weird thing with his glasses. Do you remember this, Brendan? Like he's like clearly not a person that wears glasses in real life. And there's times where he takes his glasses off. This is a visual thing. And he like wears them like this, like underneath his chin. So they're like just hanging off his face. And it just doesn't look like someone who's ever worn glasses ever Mm. in their life. Um, Anyway, that's my criticism (laughs) of Daniel Craig in that film. Also in 2011, Daniel Craig starred in Dreamhouse, which was a uh, a psychological thriller directed by Jim Sheridan, um, famous Irish director. And it also starred Rachel Weiss and Naomi Watts. Now, this is where, obviously, the romance with Rachel Weiss comes about. But I'll leave that for a minute. Uh, this film itself is about a young family who move into a house. But they discover that some murders had taken place there some years ago. Um, and I'm not giving away spoilers here because this was all in the trailer for the film. It turns out that the, a guy who'd lived there had murdered his family. So Daniel Craig is the guy and he then investigates the murder and finds out that he was actually the murderer itself and that his wife and his kids are just a fantasy and he's got to reckon with the murders of his family. So that he killed his family, basically. Spoilers. But that trailer gives away that twist. It's crap. I mean, why would you put that in the trailer? Mm. Uh, Maybe there's another on... twist. Yeah. Maybe he is uh, just name, a normal yeah. murderer. Maybe he is. So uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an approval rating of 6%. That is six mm. single digits. Number, um, and the, crit- the critical consensus, consensus says Dreamhouse is punishingly sl- slow, stuffy and way too obvious to be scary. But like I said, they filmed it in Canada. Him and Rachel Weiss became romantically involved despite her being in a relationship with the director, Darren Aronofsky. 2011? Really was the year of Daniel Craig. Got some more 2011 here. He he was quite prolific. In you know, if you, if you were a cinema goer in 2011, well, it, he was certainly busy. Watching a, 
Yeah, very busy. Uh, Cowboys and Aliens. Now we're talking. Was another release. <laughs> so it's a comic book adaptation. He played a character called Jake Lonergan, who is a an outlaw who's wanted, and he he's uh, he ends up in a town in the Wild West. It's set in 1873 during an alien invasion. So it does what it says on the tin. Cowboys and Aliens. Um, and this was big budget, directed by John Favreau, co-starring Harrison Ford and Olivia Wilde. And $160 million budget and only made $174 million at the box office. Ouch. So Yeah. Um, originally, the character that Craig ended up playing was meant to be Robert Downey Jr., but he left the project to go and uh, star in Sherlock Holmes' Game of Shadows. So probably a good choice. Yeah, yeah, out of the two, (laughs) I would I would say so. Yeah. Um, So the director clearly was a fan of Craig's portrayal of Bond because he said, on one hand, he's like this Jason Bourne type, a leading man who's also a lethal character, but on the other hand, he's got a humanity and vulnerability to him. So I guess that is one of the things that would have got him the part, and the fact that he was huge at this point. As well. Sounds like he's given the uh, script writing for Cowboys. Is it versus Cowboys versus Aliens? A little bit too much credit. No, it's there. and Cowboys and Aliens. Cowboys, is it Cowboys and Aliens? <laughs> it's and. I don't yeah. think it matters, does it? Nobody's going to search for it. <laughs> <laughs> Google's not having to answer that question very often. <laughs> so uh, Daniel Craig said the title Cowboys and Aliens is what it is, but it's just one gag, and the gag is that aliens come down in cowboy times. But once you tell that gag, it's over. So we decided to tell a story. A journey of redemption. The journey of two characters that have to redeem themselves with a backdrop of this sort of crazy thing. I always get it mixed up with Wild Wild West. That's a similar concept, isn't it? (laughs) It came out, what is it, like the year before John Carter as well, to another incredibly boring, drab film. This is... I remember seeing this at the cinema and just being like, what? Harrison Ford's in this as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I don't so, know what you think when when you see a script like this. Probably any actor's thinking this is going to be big. It's going to be a new trilogy. It's going to be massive. Mm. But it's. I mean, as soon as you see that title and just see a bit of what happens, it you'd think it's probably not actually going to be. Yeah, that good. Uh, Craig said the chance to actually get on a horse every day and just put a hat on and put the gun on and the spurs. That was a boyhood dream. I was just going, I'm an Englishman playing a cowboy, a lead in a cowboy movie. I need all the help I can get. I would figure Harrison Ford would be the man to help me out. And Harrison was sat next to him when he said that and just said, it's all in the hat. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, great advice. There. That's the latest um, Indiana Jones film will attest to. <laughs> um, so 2011, another, another film for Craig. And this time it's The Adventures of Tintin. Uh, directed by Steven Spielberg. And he played, it was a dual role, he played Ivan Ivanovich Sakharin and his ancestor, Red Rackham. So have you have you both seen this? Yeah, great film. Yeah, I think, I, I think it's been on in the room at Christmas or something. I don't think I've actively sat down and watched it intentionally. Yeah. I, di- I didn't mind it. It di- didn't sort of uh, k- kick in, did it? The, the franchise didn't seem to 
Well, it was go anywhere. It's produced by Peter Jackson, isn't it? So yeah. Steven Spielberg was going to do the first one. Peter Jackson was going to do the second one, and then they were going to do. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do with the third stars one. stars in it as well, isn't it? It was Tour de Jamie Fort. Bell, uh, Peg Jamie and Bell Frost. Yeah. Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. Yeah. Because yeah. I think, um, didn't Joe Cornish do some script writing on it Joe, as well? Joe yeah. Cornish and did Edgar some Wright. Writing. Edgar Wright. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, it's got a lot of talent. And, and you know. Um, so the budget was $135 million and it made $374 million, So it was relatively okay. I mean, it's not probably not what they were hoping. Yeah, nowhere near. Um, especially with, you know, Europe is mad for Tintin. You would you would rest. You know, you'd want a lot of lot of your income to come from Europe, but just didn't seem to happen for whatever reason. Um, but f- funnily, a little in, in the um, the premiere for this, he was asked a question by a journalist. Um, Has it always been a dream to be in a Steven Spielberg movie? And he said, I've been in one before. In fact, I've been in two Steven Spielberg movies. I've done Road to Perdition, which he produced, and I did one called Munich. So, yeah. Uh, prior to that, he'd been asked by another journalist what annoys him about journalists. So, And then that was the next question afterwards. Wow. Awkward. <sighs> Very awkward. Was it you, was it, brother? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was not me. But that's online if you just want to look at it. You can see instantly gets annoyed, uh, as you would. You know, it's it's poor research, isn't it? Um, All right, well, back back away from the films now, although only slightly. Um, Rachel Weiss, his, um, his his current wife, um, they, which is an interesting, quite a long story. And to be honest, I'm not going to go into too much depth because, as I said about the, um, uh, the previous relationship we had with Satsuki Mitchell, this is just loads and loads of articles, hello and the mirror and all these kind of things. So researching it is a nightmare to actually find out any details. And also, as a pair, both uh, Rachel Weiss and Craig are very private. So they keep their personal life completely separate. And they talk about this in interviews and stuff, how they just they have it completely separate. When they close the door to the house, they, they, they're, they're not getting involved with the media or anything like that. But they... Um, they met originally, as, you, as we said earlier, in 1994. Um, and that was in a play called uh, The Grand Horizontals, um, which was at the National Theatre Studio. And um, Yeah, we talked about that in the last episode. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they that was the, that was when they originally met. They, they weren't an item then, or they weren't officially an item then, although various things suggest otherwise. Um, but they um, didn't begin dating officially and properly again until... Uh, uh, December 2010, as they were both cast in the Dreamhouse, as we've just said. Uh, and at the time, both of them had just finished quite long relationships. We know that Craig had um, finished his uh, relationship with Satsuki Mitchell, um, and then Vice had had a nine-year relationship with uh, Darren Aronofsky. Um, and there's various talks about how the time, um, or me- references in articles about um, it being a very quick um, move on from uh, well, moving to 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 dating uh, Rachel Wise from Satsuki Mitchell. Uh, at the time, neither of them had been married, so um, Rachel Wise talks quite a lot about how, even though she had a nine-year relationship and didn't get married, she'd had a child um, with Dan Aronofsky, but she never got married. Uh, but when she met Craig, it was a very quick turnaround. They got married pretty quickly. Um, after um, meeting up again and, and starting a relationship, she said, "I never thought I would get married." 
It was not an ambition of mine. It was the opposite. I couldn't relate to romantic comedies. Marriage seems to be the whole point of them. Then it just happened, happily, at a more mature moment. Which is quite nice. It seemed to coincide at the right time. They had a really private wedding. There's hardly anyone there. Um, and uh, yeah, they um, had a daughter in 2018, which is their first child together. So they've both got their own... Each has got one child and they've got another child together. Um, so yeah, and they're still married now. So with um, Skyfall um, still a little while away, um, they, I think they wanted to get that film into production sooner than it was, but it was on hiatus because of MGM's financial troubles. So in 2010, um, uh, Bond fans, rather than having a new film to get excited about, they had two new video games to get excited about, both starring Daniel Craig. Uh, the first one... He starred in a remake of the GoldenEye video game, um, GoldenEye 007. This was developed by Eurocom and published by Activision for the Nintendo Wii. Um, And it was released on the same day as another James Bond game called Bloodstone, which um, which I've played and enjoyed. Um, So GoldenEye 007 is set between... uh, set between quantum of solace and skyfall is that right no i'm gonna take that take that back hang on so uh so with the 007 uh the golden eye game um the developer said there is only ever one james bond and at the moment that is daniel craig so by default bond plays in golden eye the daniel plays bond in golden eye 007 reloaded as it was called um, everyone at Eurocom is a huge fan of Craig's Bond. So obviously it's a remake of the Pierce Brosnan game, but it stars Daniel Craig because he's the Bond of note at that point. Um, Michael G. Wilson talking about the game said, uh, when we first pitched the game to Daniel, he was really excited about it. He thought the original great game was great. Daniel plays a lot of games and gives us a lot of good criticism. We'll show him what the plan is and he'll suggest changes and get very hands on. David Arnold, who we've talked about uh, many, many episodes ago, he um, composed the score for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nicole Scherzinger performs the title song Goldeneye, which is a cover of the film's theme song, which was originally performed by Tina Turner. You've heard this now, Brendan and Wheatley. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre, isn't it? That's yeah. a strange thing to do. I'm yeah. not sure why they've got her to do a Tina Turner impression. That's... No, it's very strange. Yeah. But they also hired Bruce Fierstein, who was the co-writer of GoldenEye, to write the script for this game as well. Um, it's not, it wasn't as well received by the critics as the original Nintendo 64 version, but it had positive reviews. Um, I remember playing it and thinking it was okay. I played it last week. Ah, really? Yeah, I went home and I, I put, stuck it on the Wii. Ah. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not, it just, it misses the point. Like the, the beauty of the original GoldenEye just doesn't have it. It's just a little bit, a bit dull. And also the, the Wii's just not well designed for games like that. It's just really annoying to control. Um, so there was an enhanced port of the game titled GoldenEye 007 Reloaded, and that was released in November the next year in 2011 for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. So the other game, Bloodstone, that was a third-person shooter video game d- developed by Bizarre and published by Activision again. And this came out on um, PC, DS, PS3 and Xbox 360. 
Um, and it was the first games, James Bond game to have an original story since uh, Everything or Nothing, the 2004 game. Um, it stars Daniel Craig. He does the voice. It's based on his likeness. It also has Judi Dench and Joss Stone in it. Again, Bruce Fierstein wrote the story. Uh, ben Cook, who is Daniel Craig's stunt double, uh, provided motion capture for Bond's digital animation, and he's credited as, as the game's stunt coordinator. So then we move into 2012, the 50th anniversary of the James Bond franchise. And what a way to celebrate with the coinciding with the 2012 Olympics. Um, we have talked about this in the Danny Boyle episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because he directed Happy and Glorious, which was the short film shown uh, in the opening ceremony of the London 2012 Olympics. And it's just a short thing where Bond escorts uh, the Queen to the ceremony. And the Queen plays herself and Daniel Craig plays Bond. Uh, and it ends up with them jumping from the helicopter into the stadium with Union, uh, Jack, uh, Union Jack parachutes. And for the jump, obviously, the Queen didn't do the jump. Um, and neither did Craig it was by Stuntman Mark Sutton and Gary Connery that's good to remember Gary Connery he played the Queen um, yeah so Daniel Craig spoke about it he, he said uh, it wasn't supposed to be funny it was supposed to be serious uh, she was fun incredibly game we had a short space of time and I was a bit grumpy as it was my day off and suddenly I'm at the palace with the Queen at a private chamber and she improvises a little bit she was supposed to be sitting at the desk and she asked if she could write, so she pretended to write. Um, don't know if we said that quote before, but I thought it's, it's quite nice. Um, mm. Don't think we did. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's worth. It's only short, so it's worth digging out if you want to watch it on online. Um, yeah, but I, what I I can't remember what I said about it previously, but thinking about it when doing this, I think it's just that was just a perfect little thing, wasn't it? That's how <coughs> Bond should be used. It's a smart way to use Bond without being tacky or you know making it a bit boring it's just a yeah. very nice simple way and he, he doesn't he doesn't do a lot in it does he he's not really no. about him no i just think it's quite nice but so well well judged it just really captured the whole i mean those those whole the whole opening ceremony is fantastic absolutely yeah. fantastic but yeah that that was that is the way to use the character outside of the films yeah definitely mm. um uh, also in 2012 daniel craig uh, guest presented Saturday night Saturday Night Live. Um, there we go. For anyone who doesn't know what Saturday Night Live is, it's a <laughs> it's an American sketch comedy show. That's probably the best way to describe it. So season thirty eight, episode three, he uh, he guest presented, and um, each episode gets reviewed by uh, Vulture dot com. They review it, and he said. His limited com- comedic ability was hard to disguise, um, but Ooh, they do harsh. go on to s- <laughs> very harsh. But they do go on to say that the writing didn't help. And I watched most of the sketches from this, and it's poor. <laughs> yeah. It really, it really is poor. And and while I broadly agree with what Vulture say about his comedic ability, the writing is weak. 
Very weak. Yeah, but it, it normally is. I always <laughs> think it's just... terrible on, on Saturday Night Live. It's very yeah. rare that they see, I see a, a sketch and think, oh, that's actually quite good. That, but this is the thing, Saturday Night Live, it, it used to be so good. It used to be the basis of like most people who really good the start of their career in the, uh, the 80s. It was like a phenomenal like, place for people to start off. And some of the sketches you can still watch now and they're brilliant. But it seemed to have... I, I think the Daniel Craig episodes are a, a sign of this. It's like... it's It's... It's saying, oh, we're going to limit the comedy just to get a famous person in and basically share around a famous person. And it, it just, yeah, I've got to talk about this in a minute. So uh, I'll hold off. But yeah, I was, I was just really surprised. I've, I I don't watch it and I'm not, no intention to. But um, it's just it's just to promote the film at the time, isn't it? It's just a way of yeah, promoting a new yeah. film coming out because there's so people watch it. But it, The episode was uh, broadcast on October the 6th, 2012. So that's three weeks before. Yeah, the release of Skyfall. So, Skyfall, um, the biggest film ever in the Bond series. In, in, when it comes to actual um, making money, it made one point one billion globally uh, dollars um, when it came out. The cast was announced on third of November two thousand and eleven. Um, so, as you can imagine, at the time after Quantum of Solace, it was quite a big deal to get this film right because I think we've spoken about this before. How with the Bond series. If one goes wrong, you've got to make the next one right. You can't have two bad ones in a in a row. So they get the the the, the effort to make one after a bit of a dud, and I would probably crash Quantum as a, as a bit of a dud, um, is really high. So um, obviously Craig came back, um, and he said in an interview that he was lucky to have the chance to do it. But um, and they got Mendes in to direct. Um, uh, and obviously he's already got a link to Craig and the fact that they worked on uh, Road to Edition together. But interestingly, Craig talks about the reason that Mendes came in to, to, to direct. And it, he says um, it was largely based on a, 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 a an after party they had, um, which was from the stage show he did with Hugh Jackman. So they went to an after party after the stage show. And he says, uh, it's a very showbiz story. I was at Hugh Jackman's house in New York um, and it was after the Steady Rain party. It was a soiree. We were in a play together and Sam was there. I'd had a few drinks, a few too many drinks, and I went, how do you fancy directing a Bond? And he kind of looked at me and he went, yeah, and it snowballed from there. Um, but there's a lot of um, references to the fact that Mendes wasn't, didn't necessarily want to do that Bond film. He, he took a bit of convincing to do it. He's, I mean, he's a big he's a big director, Mendes, and he's obviously done some amazing stuff. So um, it sounds like he was a little bit sceptical about doing it and it took a bit of convincing for him to do it. Um, but... Obviously, it came off really well, uh, and it not just the money. I think um, Skyfall is a fantastic Bond film, and I I put that down as my one that I would show to people if I was going to say this is the first Bond film you're going to watch. This is a good example of you know the series and what you should be doing because I think it all does come into place really nicely and it works really well. There are issues in it, which we'll talk through in the Skyfall episode. But um, Mendes talked about Craig's um, Bond, uh, and it's, there's a big focus on. Craig in this film and and his character being multi-dimensional and having lots of different elements to his character and having a depth to him. Uh, he says he has a combination of lassitude, boredom, depression and difficulty with what he's chosen to do for a living. Um, he says that uh, that Craig's casting performance in Casino Royale, which was one of the main reasons that he decided to do Skyfall, as being what he felt the Bond franchise needed. Um 
but they one of the main issues that they talked about because they worked on this together they obviously they they were they knew each other quite well they they sounded like they were quite good friends so they had quite a lot of input together into the making of this and they talk about how they wanted the franchise to be based in the real world instead of being fantastical and and all over the place so skyfall obviously was um uh slightly inspired by julian assange um as as um Spectre was based on Edward Snowden. Um, so there's yeah, so various things that they said about this. And um, Mendes uh, wanted to co- was he was anxious to correct the and he says kind of nostalgic jingoistic pre Cold War idea of what Britain was. Uh, and talking about the older films, it felt right that it was Daniel because he seemed like a contemporary Bond and like a realist, like a person who actually walked on the street. The truth is there is something wounded and hurt about him. Um, and uh, Craig confided that he was trying to play Bond in the film as if he was, he, I don't quite understand it, he says he was burning up. Really, no other actor would have attempted to play Bond in that way, uh, Mendes said, that sense in which he is incendiary. Um, it it, it kind of goes on a bit. And this is this bit I actually thought was quite interesting. He talks about, um, you know, the bit at the start where he, he takes off the top of the train um, yeah. with a digger and he drops into the carriage. There's a bit where he um, straightens his cuffs. Yeah. When he's when he's um, when he's done that, and they talk about it, and he says um, it wasn't in the script. And um, Craig says, "I realise why that came in." Uh, no, Mendes says, "I realise why that came in. Why did it? Because he's scared. He's effing terrified. He's just jumped off the back of the train. He's just like everything is fine. So it's like a moment to just redress himself. He's not trying to be cool. He's trying to calm himself down because it's." realism and they talk a bit about this in, in an interview and it's interesting because if Roger Moore had done that it would just be him being cool wouldn't it oh yeah I'm fine yeah yeah that's me or like uh, Brosnan when he's doing his tie under the on the boat but in this sense it's actually because he's trying to calm himself down because he's stressed and he's is in a bad situation so I thought that was quite an interesting way of uh, like a little analogy of Craig's bond um he also said about that scene anyone else doing that it would have been a cliche and somehow he manages to make it real that's Craig's art. It's very difficult to achieve. Finding a way to reimagine those things so they feel real again. It takes unbelievable willpower to do that. So um, the response was obviously very good to the film. Uh, even uh, uh, Roger Eber, he says that uh, Daniel Craig takes full possession of a role he earlier played well in Casino Royale, not so well in Quantum. Um, other things that people said is Craig managed to get out of the shadow of Sean Connery. Uh, it's a defining, defining performance for a great actor. Craig has developed an authoritative Bond persona, dry and intelligent, uh, and he's relaxed into Bond without losing any steelness, which I think is all quite accurate. And certainly for me, I mean, Casino Royale, I would say, is his best Bond film, but I think Skyfall is right up there, and it's not necessarily better in, you know, like a, a perfect Bond film way, but it's a very good film, and I think Craig's probably... You know, one of his by far one of his best um, Bond appearances. I would put. I think I would put this on over Casino Royale. To be honest, I love Skyfall. I just think it's fantastic. He's um, definitely. I think Craig's probably better in it. I think. I think for me, the Casino Royale film is just a little bit neater and a little bit cleaner. But um, I just like the fact that Skyfall is also standalone as well, which makes it yeah makes sense in and of itself, or, doesn't it? Yeah. Or seemingly standalone until we get to Spectre. <laughs> Being, being the 50th year of James Bond, the 
marketing machine goes into overdrive so not only has daniel craig done saturday night live the olympics he's made the film as well he also stars in a couple of high profile ads to support the partners of skyfall first one of those is for heineken he stars in a 60 second heineken advert called crack the case alongside berenice marlowe who played severine in the film um, so Heineken has been a partner of the James Bond films since Tomorrow Never Dies, actually. But it's really in the Daniel Craig era where it steps up a notch. And it's actually the first film that you see him drinking it is Skyfall. And then he does the same in Inspector. So this 60 second advert, Crack the Case, uh, ran globally. And it was by the brand agency uh, Viden and Kennedy Amsterdam. It was directed by a Dutch filmmaker called Mattis van Heinengen Jr. Imagine he's Dutch. Um, and he also directed the 2011 remake of The Thing. Uh, this advert was shot at Shepperton Studios and it sees Bond boarding a train in the middle of some snowy um, Europe, Eastern European town. And another man gets on the train at the same time who gets mistaken for Bond. And this other guy gets chased through the train. He's battling all these bad guys. There's a funny bit where he interrupts some guards and they're building a card tower and it looks like the the the, the train from GoldenEye. Um, there's a bit also where doctor, someone delivers room service to a room on the train and it's Dr. No and he's giving this Dr. No some lobster. Um, uh, and it's actually, you know, Joseph... Uh, is it Joseph Wiseman plays Dr. No? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, mm. And then when uh, the man finally catches up with Bond and Severine, they're at the bar and they give him a Heineken and also an attaché case, which has like a flashing light on it. And then people who'd watched the advert were then invited to play a, a follow-up game on Facebook. Do you remember Facebook games? They were all the rage in the uh, <laughs> early... Still do them, can't you? I don't know. Do they still do them? I think they're still there. They just yeah. pop up occasionally. So yeah, Berenice Marlowe then like invites people to crack the code and there's a series of like Facebook games that people are then play and they also took this advert to london's victoria station um victoria train station for a uh, um a live activation as they call it in the advertising world and passers-by could then go in and, and crack the code and it was all james bond themed the other one that daniel craig starred in was an advert for sony um products and that was called intelligence gathered and there's two versions of that 60 seconds and 30 seconds and you see james um, daniel craig as 007 trying to infiltrate a heavily guarded control room and like you see all the sony devices being used bravias veo laptops xperia tablets smartphones all the all the devices that you see in the in the in skyfall and then when he finally gets into the control room, he says to the lady, expecting someone? And she just looks shocked. And again, that was by Viden and Kennedy Amsterdam. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're just two sort of interesting side notes in there. They're, they're Daniel Craig as James Bond, but in adverts. Um, he does appear I in I don't remember adverts. either of them. I've got to watch them now. Yeah, they're not that great. He's very, very, only very slightly in them. Like, it's very much a top and tail. He's probably done like a day's work, if that. No mm. no Diet Coke advert with Piers Bosman. No. <laughs> or Lark cigarettes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that was the, his, him doing his corporate bit. Time to tread the boards again in 2013. Uh, this time with his wife, uh, Rachel Weisz. Who, and he starred in a play called Betrayal. It's Harold Pinter play from the 70s. Um, and it, it ran from October 2013 to January 2014. Uh, found a few reviews, fair to middling, some, some negative. It's quite mixed. Um, but having said that, it grossed 
$17.5 million. Blimey. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Uh, becoming, it was the second highest earning Broadway play of 2013. So it's, you know, there was tickets being touted for almost $1,000. I didn't even know plays made that um, much money. It's Broadway, isn't it? So absolutely Nominal. huge. Um, so it's a story of an affair and it, it's played out backwards in time. Um, and the lovers share a, a, a drink um, and it goes back to where they first experienced their their first meet. Uh, and Daniel Craig said about it, when you have someone as good as Pinter, it remains timeless and the themes are timeless. It's just good writing. What's interesting about the play is it's very intense and a very intense thing to do. But we managed to go home and just sort of leave it there at work. So he's referring to the fact that he's in a play with his wife um, and, and they managed to keep it separate, which they had to because, you know, it become w- way too much for him. But they also did their interviews separately as well, interestingly. So they that didn't do any, any, any interviews together regarding the promotion of it or talk, discussing it or talking about it. Um, We're a smart move. Yeah. But yeah, that, so that was Betrayal. So, what else has he been up to? Um, well, do, do you both know what the Invictus Games are? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm the least sports knowledgeable person in, around this table, virtual table. Um, but, yeah, Invictus Games, it's a, a sporting event based around like wounded, injured and sick servicemen, and uh, uh, men and women, um, uh, both serving and veterans. Um, and apparently the phrase means unconquered which I didn't know either. Um, but they were founded by Prince Harry, uh, and the inspiration came apparently from his visit to the Warrior Games over in the USA. Uh, first one took place in 2014 at the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. Um, and uh, as part of that, they made a video that was promoting the Games. And uh, it had loads of famous people in it, like Tom Hardy, Will I Am was in it, Joanna Lumley, Stephen Fry, they all speak on it. And what they do is they... There's like a poem by a guy called William Ernest Henley, who um, it's a 16 line poem. And that's kind of like the poem of the Invictus Games. It talks about adversity and strength. Um, uh, and they just all read lines from um, from this poem. And it's a, there's like a short, short video advert about it, which is a really nice thing to watch. Actually, it's quite a nice little, little video to see all of the uh, famous people promoting it. So that's one thing he did. Not massive. Uh, and then another thing, and you're not allowed to talk over me in this, but because you probably know <laughs> way more than I do about this, because I'd be honest, I didn't even care about this when, when I read about it. Um, Star Wars The Force Awakens. So as you remember, when Star Wars The Force Awakens came out, there was loads of talk about people playing stormtroopers and stuff like, oh, there's loads of hidden people, like famous people who were playing the roles of stormtroopers and various other characters. Uh, and at the time, it was, loads, it was just loads of rumours and nobody knew if it was actually true. There was like lots of famous people associated with playing, playing characters in it. Um, apparently, Plague plays a First Order grunt. Um, and I know you'll remember this scene, Butler, but he was sent to uh, guard uh, Ray, Daisy Ridley's character, uh, on a Star Destroyer, I'm assuming. Um, and <laughs> it's the bit where... <laughs> It's a good job we're not doing a Star Wars podcast. Um, but it's the bit where she starts using her powers. So he comes in and says, tells her to do something. Oh, and um, she says to him, you will remove these restraints and leave this cell with the door open. And he says, I'll tighten those restraints, scavenger scum. 
and then she does it again and then eventually does it and it's like a comedy moment in the film and a callback to the first film where obi-wan uses it for the first time um but anyway so uh craig said at the time that he would never bother with a cameo in star wars the force awakens he says why would i ever bother doing something like that effing hell play an extra in another movie um, and then Simon Pegg uh, did an interview with The Sun at some point and he said, because uh, they were asking all these famous people if they're in Star Wars. And um, he said, I wasn't a stormtrooper. Daniel Craig, he was a stormtrooper. Um, before adding, I shouldn't have said that to you. Um, and it came about apparently because uh, Spectre and The Force Awakens were being filmed at Pinewood at the same time. So it was quite easy for actors mm-hmm. to just go, oh, I'm going to go and just be a stormtrooper in this film for you know half an hour it's taken quite a cool little thing and i imagine i think a lot of them did it because they were fans of it um and it sounds like craig might have been a fan what with his love of gaming and all sorts of stuff i bet he's a star wars fan um <laughs> just lumping gamers and star wars fans together there uh so yeah there would have been a short walk from from each other so yeah so apparently he was in it and um yeah Any, anything else on that butler i'm sure you've got some insider knowledge about him in that no, not really. Not, not much to add. I mean, a lot, like you say, a lot of people did make cameos in that film. Uh, this is probably the most memorable one um, uh, of the lot. You said um, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg has a proper role in the film, actually. He's under, like, mountains of prosthetics as, his, as the guy who's stolen oh, yes. the Millennium Falcon. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just quite a fun little crossover, isn't it? I think, doesn't his Stormtrooper have like a special designation? Like, um, is he like T- uh, TK007 or something? Um, I don't know. I might have missed that. Yeah. I'll have, I'll, 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 I'm not going to rewatch it. I'm never going to rewatch it. <laughs> hey, listen, of all the Star Wars sequel films, that one's not bad, I think. Yeah, but it's I, I would watch it again if I didn't know what else was coming. It's just, it seems like a... Like you go, oh, I'm, I'm going to watch this and I really like it. Then you go, well, I'm, I'm not going to bother watching the rest of the story. So it's just, there's no point. Well, there you go. Um, and you disparaging gamers and, and nerds, like, you're the biggest nerd I know. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. You Look, play more I'm video a, games I'm than anyone I know. I like computer games and comics <laughs> and stuff. Not a Star Wars fan. <laughs> our, our mailbag is going to be full of complaints no. now. You know, and also... Also, I take I, 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 you sent a message on our group chat the other day showing us your collection of Star Wars Tazo. Says to say you're not a Star Wars fan. <laughs> I, I think that's because you got me into those. <laughs> Excuses. Right. Um, we'll pick that up on the Star Wars A to Z podcast. Um, I'm busy. Uh, so, um, Spectre. Let's talk about Spectre. Um, that film, uh, like you say, was in production at Pinewood and had been announced to press uh, at an event at Pinewood in December 2014. It was the 24th James Bond film. Uh, they announced the title along with the new cast members, Christoph Waltz, Leah Sadu, Dave Batista, Andrew Scott and Monica Bellucci. And then obviously Daniel Craig was returning, as was Naomi Harris, Ben Whishaw, Ray Fiennes. Also returning was Rory Kinnear as Tanner. Sam Mendes was also returning and Skyfall writers Neil Purvis, Rob Wade and John Logan were named as the scriptwriters on this film. So um, it's time to sound the Kevin McClory klaxon. <laughs> so Kevin McClory, uh, who had been in litigation with Eon since the um, uh, since helping Ian Fleming to write Thunderball or at least come up with a plot for, for Thunderball in 1958. He had died in 2006. And in 2013, Dan Jack and Eon, the producers of the James Bond film, and MGM, 
the distributor had uh, announced that they'd reached a settlement with the estate of Kevin McClory, which brought back everything uh, that they hadn't been able to use back into the, the James Bond fold. And that included Spectre and Blofeld. So Spectre, the film was announced and the obviously everyone knew that Blofeld and Spectre were going to be involved. Um, Blofeld hadn't been seen in the film since Diamonds Are Forever in 1971 um, and obviously very hinted at in for your eyes only so this is another film beset with production issues um so john logan had been hired to write spectre um and it was his idea along with sam mendes to bring spectre and blofeld into the uh, story but his first draft of the script was really badly received by eon and, and sony and so he left the project at that stage um, his script was rejected, but the idea of bringing Spectre and Blofeld became like the idea that they stuck with. Um, at this point, Jez Butterworth was brought in. Uh, we talked about Jez Butterworth on the B episode. He had polished Skyfall, but actually ended up con- contributing a lot more to this film this time around. So you could say a lot of the problems at this in this film, you know, belong to Jez Butterworth. That would be one way of perceiving it. Because this film is... It's misjudged. Let's just put it that way, I think. Um, I don't know why they could bring Blofeld back and just have him being an evil bad guy. Obviously, Mm -hmm. in the course of this film, it's revealed that he's Bond's half-adopted brother. I can't even remember what the connection connection is, but it doesn't work. Sam Mendes was also very reluctant to return as well, and the producers waited a year for him to come back, for his theatre commitments to come to an end so that Sam Mendes could come back. And actually, when the Sony hack happened in 2014, when the when the Sony emails were all leaked onto the Internet, it was revealed that the writers had just been like working backwards and forwards, trying to crack the final third of this film. And I don't think they succeeded by the time it went to went to shoot. And also it had been conceived as a two part film. They were going to shoot two films back to back and it ended up being condensed into just one film. So that is a possibly one of the reasons why this film doesn't really work Mm. narratively so Daniel Craig talking to Time Out around the film's release was asked did you always plan to play Bond for a fourth time it's been 10 years now he said well I was contracted to do another one that was all set up but here at the studio there was a real keenness to get it done as soon as possible in fact there was a conversation at one point that went let's film two movies back to back and i went you're out of your effing minds in the nicest way possible they're just too big and talking of big specter is estimated to have cost somewhere in the region of 245 to 300 million dollars to make the most expensive bond film of all time and also one of the most expensive films of all time full stop it made 880 million worldwide, um, which makes it a, a lower earner than, than Skyfall. I think they were hoping for another billion dollar movie, but it was still the sixth highest grossing film of 2015 um, and had the largest, second largest unadjusted total for the series after Skyfall. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has an approval rating of 63%, which indicates that it's not that bad, but it's not beloved by fans. Let's just put it that way. To support, uh, and we'll go into this in much more greater detail when we do S for Spectre way down the line. Um, as part of the promotional cycle for this film, he did another Heineken advert. And this one, I have to say, is brilliant. And it's called The Chase. And it's directed by someone called Tom Kuntz. Um, 
and again he works for the agency or, or he was working for on behalf of the agency Viden Kennedy Amsterdam uh, have you seen this one either of you two no this is Daniel Craig doing a Roger Moore Bond film basically he it's set on a lake and Bond steals a speedboat and as he sets off on the speedboat to get away from the bad guys there's a lady attached on water skis at the back so he's driving along the lake and she goes on an adventure on her own being dragged through like a wedding there's a bit where she flies down the aisle of a wedding and the rope goes over knickknack and he's sat in the wedding mm-hmm. audience um and there's bits where she picks up a, a tray of beers and then like gives them to the henchman and in the end she helps bond to defeat the bad guy right at the end it's it's absolutely brilliant should have got him to, to uh, do spectre yeah yeah um in the book uh, the lost adventures of james bond which is excellent by the way by mark edlitz um he interviewed the director and he asked him what it was like to work with daniel craig he said he was lovely he was very professional very respectful he had clear notions of what his character would do and none of it was rooted in anything but productivity and consistency so this is him Daniel Craig playing Bond again and being very protective of the character but famously after the film came out or when the film came out he did an interview with Time Out and they asked him can you imagine doing another Bond movie and he said now I'd rather break this glass and slash my wrists no, not at the moment, not at all. That's fine. I'm over it at the moment. We're done. All I want to do is move on. And they asked him a follow-up question. You want to move on from Bond for good? And he said, I haven't given it any thought for at least a year or two. I don't want to think about it. I don't know what the next step is. I've no idea. Not because I'm trying to be cagey. Who the F knows? At the moment, we've done it. I'm not in discussion with anybody about anything. If I did another Bond movie, it would only be for the money. So this, I think possibly this is where a lot of dissatisfaction from James Bond fans with Daniel Craig stems from um, this attitude that, you know, he's over it. I think he has spoken since then and said, you know, it was a bit of a, a knee jerk reaction to mm, yeah. having finished. I've heard other people say that as well. Yeah. Like, well. If you've just done a film, especially a big film like this, you really do hate it because it's so much work and then you don't want to do one again. It takes a bit of time to warm to it again. Yeah. And bear in mind, we're talking about a film that was... Uh, announced in November uh, no announced in uh, December 2014 and released the following autumn that is mad that's a mad time like time to get a 300 million dollar movie made and released it must have been hard work and actually when asked about it Martin Campbell said Daniel always makes remarks like that he said, excuse me, you've just earned 100 million off this effing movie. Um, it's just very hard work for him and he gets beaten up. But he's 120% committed to these movies and will remain that way until he stops doing them. So hmm. that's that's Spectre. And again, we'll, we'll talk about that film more uh, in more depth later on. Now for some comic relief. Literally. Uh, in 2007, he... He uh, starred as himself in a Catherine Tate sketch. Uh, she plays one of, I, I assume it's one of her regular characters called Elaine Figgis. Um, Nobody here knows. We talked about uh, this briefly last time, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. So he plays, he's a he's a boyfriend that this, this character Elaine Figgis has got. And she doesn't believe he is who he says he is, that he's an actor and um, that he's a pretty big deal. Um, and as the sketch goes on, he grows more and more 
attached to her and eventually falls in love with her but she is just not interested and that's the whole premise of the sketch Uh, and they break up at the end and he rides off on a tandem bike yeah um that is it that, that is it, that, and I think that, you've you I think you've covered all the jokes in it as well. So yeah, good. Oh, apart from the fact that Daniel Craig drinks Nuki Brown. Oh, that's, that's oh, that, yeah, that's clever. That bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but fear not, because he did more comic relief in 2015. Uh, this was a mockumentary-style behind-the-scenes look at the voice of James Bond. So. Uh, it's revealed that Daniel Craig's voice is of a, a small girl. Um, that's the premise of the the bit. Uh, it features Roger Moore, uh, who also has his voice changed. Uh, Rory Kinnear, Sam Mendes, Naomi Harris, Ben Whishaw, Michael G. Wilson—they all, you know, play themselves in this. Like wanting to keep this a secret that this is this is how they do it. And they get someone to dub Daniel Craig's voice so that he sounds like Bond. And the big reveal is that it's Alan Carr who does the does the thing. Uh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I I watched it. Did you laugh? No. <laughs> but it's for charity, isn't it? It's for charity, yeah. yeah. Although I, I, I think there's two ways of looking at this. Because I always think, well, it is for charity, so it doesn't matter. But it still should be funny. <laughs> that's the point of the show yeah but it's always good to see Roger Moore isn't it so that, that's that's a, a win for me oh, exactly they, re- they really should have used more for many many more I know they, they, they wasted more in this but it's good more, good they? to see him yeah I'd say it would have been good a uh, Partridge Craig comic relief mm. that would have been that yeah. would have been um, the options there would have been fantastic mm but there, there is another one coming up, isn't there? So I look forward to hearing about that. Okay, more plays and films from Craig. Um, in 2016 and 2017, he played in the uh, off-Broadway show Othello. Um, it's a modern production of the Shakespeare play, um, New York Theatre Workshop. Um, it starred David are you lower David Yellowo. that's it that's it as the uh, main character and Craig as Iago um, I don't find out much about this it's just a Shakespeare play but apparently it was uh, apparently Craig um, was a chilling portrayal of Iago that's all I'm going to do on that next next <laughs> I couldn't find much else about it um, and and we've, we haven't got a lot of we haven't got a lot of time um, then in 2017, he starred in Logan Lucky. Uh, I've got a bit more about this one, uh, which is an American heist comedy. And we all love heist comedies, don't we? Uh, it was directed by Steven Soderbergh. Um, and apparently Soderbergh came out of retirement to direct the film and he distributed it independently through his own company um, because he was so keen on doing it. it stars uh, Channing Tatum. Tatum. Uh, what's your pronunciation? I don't know what's. I don't know what's going. It's because I've been in Lincolnshire for a week. Um, have Adam heard, Driver. Have you ever listened to other people talking before? Um, uh, Daniel Craig, obviously. Seth MacFarlane, Katie Holmes, Hilary Swank, Catherine Waterston, and Sebastian Stan. 
Um, and it's about the uh, uh, the Logan family and an attempt to rob the Charlotte Motor Speedway whilst avoiding security officers and the FBI. Um, it grossed 48 million worldwide and got pretty good reviews in general. And um, Craig's character, he plays like a... He's in prison. Um, he plays like an expert at uh, robbing things. Um, and they try and get him. I think they break him out of prison or something. But his character, and it's interesting, I've never seen him play a character that's so far away from what he normally plays. You, you, what, what, when doing this research, we've gone through a lot of these films, he does play a very similar character in a lot of them. I know the character's different, but the way he plays it is quite similar. It's it's like... Um, but this one is very different. So if it just... I don't, I don't know if very you should watch the film. It's a, yeah, it's a very broad comedy performance, isn't it? Yes, and I was quite surprised when I saw it. He's he's, he's quite um, it's quite far removed from what you normally expect from him. So, have you seen have you seen it? I have, yeah. I don't oh, think okay. it was very good. Is, is it actually good? No, I didn't like it. It was too. It's very mannered. Um, it's kind of like Ocean's Eleven, but with hillbillies. Well, it's made um, by this. Yes, yeah, Stephen Soderbergh. Yeah, isn't it? same director. Yeah, I, and it's quite an obnoxious. I thought it was quite an obnoxious film, but I'm sure it's got its fans out. I there, just but, um, I, every time I just can't look at heist films now. Do you, you watch that episode of Rick and Morty where they make fun of heist films? Yeah. And every time I see a trailer for a new one, I just I just can't watch them now because it is just so tick in the box heist style films. Um, so that was Logan Lucky, uh, and then in 2017 he went a little bit more um, artistic with the film Kings, um, and that's a film he starred in with Halle Berry. Um, she's, she plays a single mother who's got eight adopted children in South Los Angeles. Um, and Craig plays Obi, who is uh, the only white man in the neighbourhood. Um, and it's it's set during the Rodney King riots. So obviously all her kids are involved in the riots in some shape or another. And he becomes involved with the family to, I don't know, they, they, to kind of survive these, these, um, these riots. Uh, it's, it, critically, it was... It was shown at quite a lot of film festivals, actually. It was at the 2017 Toronto... Uh, it premiered at the 2017 Toronto International Film Festival. It was part of Stockholm's International Film Festival and it was at the Torino Film Festival in Italy. Um, so you can see what they were kind of aiming for. He's taken... He's he's made a decision to star in a... It's basically a, an attempt at winning awards. It's a, it's a, it's a film that's got a bit of depth to it. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got an approval rating of 13%. Uh, an Ooh. average rating of 3.5 out of 10. Um, the quick consensus from the site says that uh, Kings has good intentions, a talented cast, and the basis for an incredibly incredible fact-based story. Unfortunately, they don't amount to much more than a missed opportunity. Um, and on Metacritic, uh, the film has uh, a weighted score of 34 out of 100. So, uh, And it's received generally unfavourable reviews. Ouch! I've never, I, I hadn't even heard of that one, and, and no, like I was, a, I've been a film journalist for the last ten years. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, if you if you look at the trailer, it looks like you can see what they're going for. It's it's a it's a it's a pitch at making a film that's going to win awards. It looks like that sort of thing, and it from the trailer it looks like it could do, but obviously the film's actually not as good as how it appears on the trailer. Apparently, it made eight hundred and twenty five thousand dollars, which is Ooh. not not great. Awkward. Yeah, but so. We've got No Time to Die coming out this year, 2021, when we record, obviously when we're recording this. Um, but this film was supposed to come out in 2019. Um, so it would have been not long after, you know, Logan Lucky and Kings. 
But obviously, we know that that didn't happen. First of all, because Danny Boyle signed on to do the film and then quit the project, which delayed it at least one of the first few times it was delayed. And so in that time when the film was delayed, this allowed Daniel Craig to star in what many would consider to be his best film in years beyond Bond, which is yeah. a film called Knives Out. Um, so Daniel Craig star, signed up to star in the film from Ryan Johnson, who had um, been inspired by Ag- Agatha Christie novels. It's an old fashioned, old school whodunit. And it's got an all star cast. Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Christopher Plummer, Lakeith Stanfield, Tony Collette, Anna de Armas. Um, and uh, Ryan Johnson said he came up with the idea after he came, after breaking out with his first film, 2005's Brick, which is fantastic, by the way. Um, but he didn't start working on it until uh, 2018 after he'd released Star Wars The Last Jedi, which we won't discuss here. So Daniel Craig had been on Ryan Johnson's wish list for the lead role as Benoit Blanc, uh, Benoit Blanc the detective. But he just assumed that there was no way that he would get him because he was obviously within the Bond time frame. But all of a sudden he had an opening. Um, It was going to be a very short production, eight weeks. Um, And so Daniel um, was able to slot it into his, his schedule because of Danny Boyle's departure. So um, Ram Bergman, who is the producer on the film and and is the producer that always works with Ryan Johnson, he said... We'd been talking about Daniel Craig and then literally a few days later, Ryan was sitting with Daniel and then Daniel was in the film. I think he was really excited to jump in and have fun with this totally different type of character. And we talked about just then Logan Lucky, him playing this deep south sort of hillbilly. This is a very left field role for Daniel Craig as well in Lives Out. He plays this southern, real thick southern accent like gentleman detective. Um... And in, in the script, Ryan Johnson had actually written that it would be his accent would have the gentlest of Southern lilt. And Daniel Craig said, I may not have done that, but I <laughs> went for it. He w- wanted something that placed him, that separated him from the rest of the characters, kind of may- maybe leaves him open for ridicule, ridicule. And Ryan Johnson said, he's great as Bond. I'd seen him in other things as well over the years. Obviously, it was Logan Lucky, Logan Lucky recently where you see that he's willing to kind of have fun and go a little wackier. And I'd seen him on the stage. I knew that he was a great actor and also got the sense he was really looking forward to the opportunity to have some fun. So that much more than the idea of somehow playing off of how the public perceives him was the motivation. I just got the sense that he was ready to really cut loose and play with the, with this one. And he did. And I love this film. I don't know what you two think about it. Yeah, I agree. Really like Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 And he's great. He, and he is really good in this film. He's very. It's a very funny performance. I think, you know, you, you may mock him for being dour and, you know, a, a humorless individual. Um, but actually, I think you see this film shows he does have a really good sense of humor um, when he's given the opportunity to, to, to really, you know, cut loose. And I guess right. He's able to at this stage in his career, right? He's in his 50s. He's able to, doesn't have to worry too much about his image. He's not after sort of leading man action roles anymore. Yeah. Um, He he talks a bit about, um, because by this point, he knows that he's finishing with Bond as well. And he just has this enormous feeling of freedom and he feels a lot more relaxed about the roles he's doing. So you can see that with Knives Out, feels like he's having more fun. He's, He's doing something that he's, it just looks like he's enjoying it when he's doing it. Yeah, but what I like, a, what sorry, I like about Knives Out is that 
that genre is a genre that was very difficult to do and it used to be the, one of the biggest genres it's like a western genre the the old spy who done it type things and it is almost and then i know uh, murder on the orient express and uh, some other ones have tried to do it and they they are good but they're quite big scale whereas this is quite a small scale simple mm. it's almost like a play it's it's and it's really nice that I, I'm, I, i'm not sure what the how much it actually made but i know it's very very popular Well, I mean, it was made, like I said, eight weeks, for that very low budget, and it took $311 million dollars at the box mm. office. Uh, wow. Deadline um, in their annual sort of box office hits of the year uh, estimated goose. that it had made $82 million dollars in profit, which is just massive. And it, yeah. it was for Lionsgate, a very small studio uh, in Hollywood. And so. Great choice for Craig. It's probably the best choices of his career by a long that, shot. Yeah, absolutely. And and obviously, we'll talk about it in a second, but it turns out it, it's going to become a very lucrative property for him down the his line as bond. well. Yeah, could be. But talking of his new bond, he has got a new bond film coming out. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, No Time to Die, the 25th Bond, which I counted earlier, it's been delayed six times. Wow. That's incredible, isn't it? Um <sighs> For whatever, for for many different reasons, you know, uh, change of director, um, injury to Daniel Craig, uh, and of course the the pandemic. Um, so hopefully, I mean, it's set for release on release on September the thirtieth, and hopefully that will set, you know, so he's set. In <laughs> I don't stuff. want to get my hopes up. No, there's no point in even saying. But maybe you're listening to this now, and it has been released. Uh, lucky you. Um, so it's directed well, maybe unlucky you <laughs> directed by um, Kerry Fukunaga and um, it's got um, Rami Malek and Lashana Lynch uh, and then uh, cast members coming back you've obviously got Daniel Craig Leia Seydoux Ben Whishaw Naomi Harris Jeffrey Wright Christoph Waltz and Rafe Fiennes um, this is his swan song which we're all eager to see and in terms of budget it's floating it estimated 250 to 300 million and this is because of the ever increasing costs of the delay it's costing so much lost from the marketing that they've just wasted um, and it's it's costing millions just the, the longer it's sat there gathering dust um, so that's incredible really Um So in May 2016, it was reported that Daniel Craig had been offered $100 million dollars to do two more Bond films from uh, MGM that put that offer down. And he turned it down. And so they came back uh, with another offer, um, $150 million dollars for the next two. And again, that was turned down. Incredible. That's that's quite a big jump. You think you go, well, what about 102 million? <laughs> um, and then he he confirmed in August 2017 that he would reply reprise the the role of Bond, um, and it's reported that he's going to be paid 25 million dollars uh, f- for this. So quite a come down from the that huge offer. Mm. Um, I'd still take it though. <laughs> yeah, big time. 
And so he he came, he came back because he felt that there was loose ends to tie up, and he wanted to conclude this whole arc that he has built within the Bond uh, world. And he said, "This is my last movie. I've kept my mouth shut before, and I've stayed out of it, and I've respected it, and I've regretted that I did." And so he he's been he was instrumental in getting Phoebe Waller Bridge to to join the writing team, obviously. We've discussed issues of Quantum of Solace and Spectre, and this is what he's referring to before he's just sort of... Well, Quantum of Solace, he was brought on board to sort of chip in, but obviously he's passionate about making something with a good end result. Um, and he said, I've been very forceful in meetings and often way too blunt and probably completely rude, but I'm like, we're here, come on. And I always say sorry. So he's ruffled some feathers, but... Um, like I said we haven't seen it hopefully he's ruffled the right feathers well you can't make an omelette that's true (laughs) Um, and then after the last uh, shot at Pinewood uh, when they'd finally wrapped it was all very emotional and the director said typically I'm not an emotional person on sets but there was sort of a pulsing feeling to that day um, so it was a night shoot and uh, they'd, they'd all finished it wrapped early so uh, Daniel Craig was supposed to say a few words he said I had the whole thing kind of put together in my head what I wanted to say and just couldn't get it out and so he's very very emotional at this point um, uh, Barbara Broccoli said we knew it was a monumental moment there wasn't a dry eye to be honest I was a mess. I was a complete and utter mess. And uh, Michael G. Wilson said that all the crew were hanging around. They just didn't want it to be the end. Um, and he said, it's it's night shooting. Everybody usually runs off. And they were just talking to each other and shaking hands. And it was as if they knew it had to end. But they didn't like the idea. Um, so at the time of... Uh, there was a, uh, an edit available for Daniel Craig to watch um, and he was allowed to invite people along to watch but he didn't he just wanted to watch it alone Um, he said I just need to be on my own kind of experiencing it the first few minutes are always unbearable why am I standing like that what am I doing he said I think it works so hallelujah so he's seen it and he thinks it works. So it, let's hope his judgment is good. <laughs> well, I'd be very worried if he said, I've seen it. Not very good. <laughs> I didn't like it. A bit ropey. Not as good as quantum. <laughs> um, and then in April 2021, no, when it got delayed to April 2021, he uh, def- defended the decision. He said, this thing, referring to the, the, uh, the virus, he said, this thing is just bigger than all of us. We just want people to go and see this movie in the right way, in a safe way. Cinemas all around the world are closed at the moment. We want to release the movie at the same time all around the world, and this isn't the right time. Uh, yeah, absolutely huge. A lot of the industry is pinning their hopes on this, especially in the UK, where cinema chain Cineworld really were banking on this to, to kickstart mm. the the cinema goers you know coming through the doors again um 
And in terms of Bond, he said, um, I've given it everything I can. I'm so glad that I came back and I did this last one. We've had lots of loose threads we haven't tied up. The story just didn't feel complete. I needed a break. I truly admitted it. I need. I just needed to get my head away from it all for a while. And once I had, we started talking about storylines and things we could do and where we could take it. And his advice for the next Bond is don't F it up. It is beautiful, amazing thing. Um... So yeah, there you are. He um Well we haven't seen it, so we can't we can't even talk about what we think of it. The proof will be in the pudding, won't it? I like the trailers. I think the trailers are really good. I think it yeah. looks it looks like it's gonna be a visually interesting film. I think Kerry Fukunaga brings a lot of his own visual style to this. Mm. I love Rami Malek. Um yeah. it'll be interesting to see how um sa- um the characters from the previous film tie into it. Blofeld mm. and um, Madeline Swan, because I think they'll they'll be a big part. There's obviously a lot of rumours about what that happens in the film. You know, Bond. We know that Bond has retired at the start of it. Yeah. Um. So him coming out of a retirement gives us sort of, you know, something something new um, with Bond. Yeah. Uh, he's been replaced by another double O agent in the field. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Lashana Lynch's character. So there's a lot of you know interesting dynamics at play and we'll find out when it comes out in september but i can't wait yeah i do do worry that the longer it's i mean it's going to have to be fantastic there's there's more resting on this than any bond film so maybe even more than goldeneye now yeah we've waited as long as we it's been six years since the last one that was like the record wasn't it for gold Mm. from goldeneye from license to and after spectre it's got a it's got a do the job but then mm. we've got a reboot on the horizon right if it's not that good they'll just reboot it and then that becomes a whole new thing in itself right so it's 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 mm. fine it, the, however good this film is the future of bond is is secured well, at least I, i'd say the bit that i'm not we've just waited so long for no time to die i don't I, I can't wait for it but the thing i'm more excited about is finding out who the new bond is and that's why i'm annoyed about the delay because i'm looking forward to that um but yeah but I mean, the same with Daniel Craig. I, I assume he wants to move on with his career. And yeah. this is just sort of... It's he's he's going to have to do a load more marketing stuff, exactly. isn't he? Yeah. Speaking but, of which... Speaking of which... You um you mentioned that this is... Well, this is the last time he's playing Bond. But it, it wasn't. Because uh, he's he's played Bond another couple of times as well. Um, since finishing filming on No Time to Die. Um, he was back again in 2020 for another Saturday Night Live. Um and oh, I watched all of these. Um, I, they were pretty much the same, really. He plays various characters. I think he's, he's in about eight sketches throughout the show. Mm. And they're a bit of a... I'd say they're a mixed bag, but I don't think I found one that I found in any way enjoyable. As you can probably tell, I'm not a fan of SNL <laughs> at all after about 1990. Um, so I'm not going to go into too much depth with that. I think he plays the Bond character maybe once um, in one of those uh like skits uh but then he just plays other characters throughout the whole thing and he kind of he's, he's in a lot of it and sometimes he's, ve- he's a very small character and he's barely even in it but um yeah he's in that quite a lot and that's obviously a marketing thing which annoyingly he probably put a lot of effort into and mm. that's way back in 2020 now so um yeah it was in like march wasn't it just before yeah, the pandemic yeah. hit wasn't it which has got to be really to annoying last year because yeah. that would have taken him ages to do all that and get involved in all that um but yeah bit of a 
bit of a difficult one so who knows if he, he might end up doing another one or something like that for the next final release of it um and then another thing and comic relief back again uh, and i'll say this again comic relief does amazing work for charity and it's fantastic thing but dear god that was this this was an awful awful sketch hmm. as we know last year obviously comic relief was significantly limited affair because they you know they couldn't have people in the studio they couldn't do lots of filming and things so it was i think it only lasted about two three hours this year didn't yeah. it uh, last yeah. year this year, this year, it was March. This year, yes, this year. So it went on to about uh, 10 o'clock or something. Yeah. Um, but and the, the, the sketch was, what's her face again? Catherine, Catherine Tate. Tate. Playing Nan, who yeah. we've probably all seen at a distance, but never actually actively watched in too much detail. Um, she's cleaning M's office, and he comes on the laptop to speak to M and ends up speaking to Nan. Um, she makes some very... I mean, he's obviously not actually talking to her. He's just recorded a few lines separately and then it's been edited together later. Um, she makes some very simple, boring jokes about him being a confirmed bachelor. And I can't even... I, I, I didn't even rewatch it for this because I didn't want to... I watched a little bit of it, but it's it's just not very good, is it? Um, so, yeah, that's it. that was in back for, for comic relief. Probably probably a, a low point in terms of my which could be that. the last time he ever plays James Bond for mm. that one sketch yeah. um, so interesting I way to go out I suppose the whole thing about comic relief is that you, it's got to appeal to everyone hasn't it and Catherine Tate's nan is probably quite a popular character with broad, broad the general appeal. public but um, they could have done so they could have done something smart with him you've got access to Daniel Craig for something there's loads of people you could work with so yeah, so there you go. Uh, that's yeah the last time. Hopefully, may, well maybe you'll do another SNL. Who knows? Um, but I still think they should do another one with Adam Partridge interviewing about Bond. I think <laughs> that would have been perfect. Um, so then we've got. Uh, then we move on to the Nice Out sequel deal, and obviously this is a very exciting thing coming up, and it's been in, uh, in the uh like stories for quite a while about what's happening with it um and in march 2021 it was reported that netflix had agreed to pay over 450 million for the rights to two sequels um to be written directed by ryan johnson is that right butler that's right something like that yeah um so obviously craig's gonna be reprising his role um as detective benoit blanc um and filming is actually starting i think on friday this week um from what i read yeah, I mean, this will be released in the future, but yeah, yeah. It's, yes. it's happening right now, isn't it? Yeah, so we should start seeing some set photos and stuff soon, I should imagine. Um, but obviously, he's not playing... It's not the same family. It's not the same story. He's just a, a, a detective that goes around solving various crimes. So um, in this next one, uh, or in, in, it's signed up to do the follow-ups. I don't know if they're all in the next one or they're in um, multiple films, but uh, Dave Bautista... Uh, Edward Norton, Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr. and Kate Hudson have all signed on uh, to the sequel um, in undisclosed roles. And then more recently, Madeline Klein and Jessica Henwick have been added to the cast. So that's all sounding pretty exciting. And Johnson uh, also the... Uh, what's his name? Ryan Johnson. Uh, Ryan Johnson has been signed on as well, of course, to do them. Um, well, he's the writer-director, so- isn't he? Yes, yeah, and obviously he's done a fantastic job with the first one, so that's good that they've got him, and it certainly sounds like. And from what I've seen, I think that it's kind of a passion project for him, isn't it? It's it's like his idea and his 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 
Yeah, I think that was the idea that he he was the writer creator, and so then they yeah. took the sequels. They you know pitching it around mm. all the different studios and, and sold it to the highest bidder for these two sequels because as we saw, the first one made so much profit. Mm. Yeah, and but the that... rumors are, or the, the specifics are that of the deal are it's going to make Ryan Johnson, Daniel Craig, and the producer Ram Bergman very very rich. They're stand, they're standing to make like something crazy like fifty million dollars each from the deal. Mm. Incredible. Which is like then, Robert Downey Jr. in Avengers level deal. That's yeah. crazy money. That's what you do when you get these these big Netflix deals and stuff because they just generate so much money in an easy way. It's so countable. But that's that's the thing that when when we first heard about this, instantly my thought was, oh, I don't want them to go to Netflix. I want them to be big cinema films again. I don't want them to be turned into these Netflix ones. Um, what are what are your views on going to Netflix? Well, I think Netflix actually does release them theatrically as well. So uh, they'll get limited theatrical releases. Um, I'm not a huge fan of... I always think, no disrespect to Netflix, but if a film's going straight to streaming, then it's of limited quality. But um, yeah, that's that's always my first thought. Oh, what's wrong with it? Yeah. What, What I always think about films that go straight to streaming is that it's very hard to tell if people really did watch them. Because That's, yeah, people will have the one in the house. They're doing other stuff. They've got mm-hmm. them on when they're doing work. These kind of things. So you get these amazing viewing figures, and you say, "Wow, it's been watched by millions of people." But then but, the Netflix doesn't actually reveal real data. It, it, it says, you know, it'll tell people, "Oh, thirty-five million households have watched this." But actually, you're right. They don't tell you have yeah. they watched the whole thing from start to finish. Yeah, or have and they that just watched me thirty seconds it, of it? It will always sound like that. It will sound like it's wonderfully successful, but. I don't know. I, 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 there must be an effect it has on, or could have an effect on the quality and stuff when it doesn't go. When it's not as accountable as it is on when it goes to the, the to the cinema. Well, but. the first one won Oscars, didn't it? I think one was it best original screenplay or something, or at least it was nominated for. So maybe it's a it's an awards play from Netflix as well. But they've spent a lot of money on these sequels. So, but maybe yeah. they maybe they will distribute it uh, wider than they have before. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they might mm-hmm. do. But yeah, I mean that's that's Daniel Craig. That's the future for Daniel Craig. Um, yeah. I, I'm interested to see where he does go from here in terms of the roles that he goes into post Bond. To me, it seems like he had that purple patch where he was doing, you know, David Fincher, Tintin, all these amazing films. But that really tailed out over the last sort of ten years, and he hasn't made that many films. Mm. And I wonder whether he's sort of stepping back from it. He seems like a guy who was very uncomfortable with the level of fame. And now he's sort yeah. of stepping back from it. And whether he'll actively be seeking out uh, yeah. film roles or, a, a you know, a premium box set TV show. Who knows? The world is yeah. his oyster now. I, I get the sense that he's happily married with his young child and happy well, to take in, a back In that great uh, uh, GQ article that I think we all read, uh, mm. the interview with him. Um, he does say something interesting in that that when he was doing No Time to Die, he almost had like a realization that he's got this, he's got a new child now, he's got all these other things to do, and he just can't, you know, give everything he's got to, to films like this anymore. So it's definitely, to, I mean, he's he's had a pretty damn good run, and he sounds like he's been a ridiculously busy man for a lot of his life. So yeah, it's definitely, um, it feels like the ball's in his court a bit now. But Nice Out just seems like the perfect way to do that because it. 
Mm. Yeah, and actually, I didn't mention it, but in Spe- I think Spectre was the first time that a James Bond actor was listed as a producer on the films. And so he's a producer as well now on Spectre oh, and okay. No Time to Die. And that will have a payday associated with it as well. Mm. So not only is he getting bumper wages to play Bond, he's also now producing the films and generating bumper paydays for himself beyond Bond. So he's just set up wow. for life now. He doesn't he can do what he wants, really. Yeah. But do you think, like, the Daniel Craig era will be looked back on fondly once he departs? Depends, doesn't it? But on No Time to Die. A lot resting on that film. I think Casino Royale and and Skyfall will always be considered classics. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely... um, I mean, they're still... They're they're almost timeless, I think. Um, Definitely Casino Royale is timeless, I think, for me. I think that's going to be classed as a classic for a very long time. I think Skyfall may age badly in the future i think it's got a lot of elements to it which are very much based in the time zone it's in but casino royale seems to be completely like where it's set is irrelevant you could set that in the 60s and it still just be as good a film i think like bond fans are like starting to appreciate quantum of solace more i think that's like you know a bit of a reach but like i think it it'll be looked back on say like a film like diamonds are forever it'll have its supporters and people mm. will be able to watch it i mean i can watch it it's fine it's it's just you know, it feels like sort of almost half a film. It's like fighting to to be the film, whereas Spectre's like one and a half films <laughs> fighting to be one. Um, yeah, but, I, I'll um, be honest. I think I'm probably more likely to watch Quantum than than Spectre. Uh, yeah, in the choice. Shall we wrap things up there then? Mm. Yes. Yeah. So that concludes our Daniel Craig specials. Um, we will have one more episode talking about Daniel Craig. We're going to get a guest on to talk about their that's um their encounters with daniel craig someone who has met daniel craig on on a number of occasions and interviewed him and um sort of crossed paths with him so that's going to be very exciting to to listen to i think and then beyond that we're moving on to the letter d finally oh wow what a treat the, the letter d is just it's epic you know we've got so many different characters and and, and creatives just to name a few roll Dahl. Cut, cut to the chase how long until dalton Dalton is going to be a, a, it's only going to be a couple of episodes away and we're going to be talking about Timothy Dalton uh, and his era and then we've also got you know Diamonds Are Forever Die Another Day Doctor No Tracy DiVincenzo um, one of my favourite Bond girls um, Domino to look forward to oh nice yeah. good so that's the letter D and then beyond that you know we're romping through the alphabet then so uh, please join us uh, for our as our journey into the world of James Bond continues. But how, how can people get a hold of us uh, if they want to email us? On email, it's podcast at jamesbond8z.co.uk. And if they want to hit us up on the socials. <laughs> you can hit us up on Insta, Facebook. Uh, I was going to say MySpace. You can't, not on MySpace, not yet. Um, <laughs> at jamesbond8z. Also Twitter, that's the one, not MySpace. Yes. Um, thank you very much for listening if you've enjoyed this please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and give us a five star rating on there as well and and share the podcast with your friends and and families and and henchmen Uh, if they like James Bond uh, if they like no look there's something here for everyone you know is there (laughs) is there something for everyone might might not maybe not Star Wars fans because they're we, I've alienated all of them yeah yeah you've you've done that yeah Yeah, or gamers (laughs) (laughs) Um, yes so James Bond the James Bond 8 said podcast will return 
Thanks a lot. Ciao. The James Bond A to Z podcast features Tom Butler, Brendan Duffy and Tom Wheatley. The podcast was produced by Tom Wheatley with music by Tom Ingemels and artwork supplied by Helen Dolly. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.